Let us pray. God, we give thanks for your living word. We pray that you would help us to hear your voice through this word this day, and we pray that my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer, as we gather around your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are a week into, our second week into, a series looking at creation, the gift of God's creation. So much of scripture, when you, when you start to unpack it and just look even a little bit closely, you realize announces the goodness, the wonder, the joy of creation, how often Jesus teaches parables and about life from an understanding of creation. We understand that, that creation was formed in this beautiful rhythm in Genesis and, and is, is being reformed. A new creation is birthed in Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Creation is a dominant theme of scripture. And so each week, uh, these uh, Sundays... From Easter on into the end of May, we'll be looking at, again, aspects of creation. And as I mentioned in the announcements, a lot of these sermons and scriptures will be paired with different outlets and activities that you can join in to participate even more fully in the gift of creation in this particular season. To help us appreciate and hear more about the gift of creation and what creation does and even says, we look at Psalm 19 today. The heavens are telling the glory of God. The skies proclaim his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech. Night to night declares knowledge. There's no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the earth. In the heavens he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey. And the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth. And the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Psalm 19 declares how the sun moves with joy. We move to Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, and hear that the very law of God exhorts us to be a people of joy. The handbells with a fitting introduction to this reading of Scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word of God. Thanks be to God. Last week, we had a chance to spend a few days in the Outer Banks, North Carolina. And while it was too cold to be in and on the water, we definitely had some nice days, some sunny days, where we took Leo to the beach. And of course, it was fascinating for us to watch our two-year-old Leo's response. He's been to the beach, but, but this was the first time where he was starting to get the idea a little more clearly. And so we make our way <clears throat> across the ramp that gets us over the, the dunes, and we set our very first step into the beach proper, and Leo starts waving his hand back and forth, no, 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 and he is pointing right over at the waves. The wind had them going pretty well that day. They were rising and falling, and it was loud. He did not want to be one bit closer to that water. And so we sat him and all of us right down on the edge where the dunes become the beach as far away from the water as possible. And there he played. No shovels, no buckets, no toys. We, really, we, bought, we brought one cup. And he sat there in that one location with that one cup and he filled it with sand and he dumped it through his fingers and he watched. And then he filled it And he dumped it through his fingers, and he watched. And he wiggled his toes in the sand, and then he pointed to the birds when they would land around him. And then he'd fill that cup again, and he'd dump it through his fingers, and he'd watch. It was amazing for us to watch how naturally he marveled at the simple, small things of creation. Grains of sand, little birds, broken seashells. Also how readily he intuited the power of that same vast creation as it crashed over and over some 50 feet away. I think it is children who remind us that what surrounds us is not merely nature, but in fact creation. The handiwork of of the living God. And that creation is somehow alive and more than deserving of our full attention. For that creation, even without words, is saying something. And so I think it's children who often best intuit the truth of the first few verses of Psalm 19. You heard, the heavens are telling of the glory of God. The skies are proclaiming God's handiwork. Day to day, 
Speech is pouring forth night to night. Knowledge is being declared. The heavens, the sky, the day, the night. They, they tell, they proclaim, they declare the wonder and the greatness and the goodness of God. Verse 2 says each day pours forth speech. The image there is really like a bubbling up of this irrepressible mountain spring. Each day doesn't just give hints about God's existence. Little whispers if you're in just the right place. Scripture declares that day to day is bubbling with an overflow, declaring God's glory, God's wonder, not just existence, but, but, but beauty. Knowledge of God is everywhere. In fact, the book of Romans declares that really it's all of creation that declares who God is. Creation is overflowing with a message. Now, to be sure, you get the verse 3, and, and it says, now, there are no speech, there are no words, there's, there's no voice that's heard. Creation speaks to an overflowing, but it's a speech without words. You can't hear it. And yet, it's, it's a paradox, actually, I think all of us have known upon pausing and wondering before God's creation. It's a paradox Jonathan Edwards once explored in his own writings on Psalm 19 when a particular day he was looking up at the skies and the clouds and he wrote, And as I was walking there and and, and looking up at the sky and the clouds, I seemed to see them both in sweet conjunction, majesty and meekness joined together. Majesty and meekness, strength and smallness, greatness and humility, power and mildness. So much of the beautiful paradox that we know our God and Jesus Christ to be declared in creation. But no words. Edwards himself is giving words to what Leo could not articulate but intuited at some level. There is something alive, someone alive, behind and through creation. There is both a majesty and an awe-inspiring power in those waves. And at, at the very same time, this delicate meekness declared through these tiny, overlooked grains of sand. The psalmist continues and and gives a a particular example from creation. doesn't go with grains of sand. He goes with the sun. He talks about the sun's motion and compares it to that of a bridegroom racing out of his wedding canopy or a a strong runner hitting his running, running stride with joy. The sun does not just rise and set, but is infused with a motion of eager joy. God does not make a sun so as to make sure we have warmth and vegetation and all the rest. No, this God, that's all true, but this God is filled with so much joy that God creates a good sun and sets it forth in joyful motion as an expression of God's joy-filled heart. And so the psalmist is clear. Creation declares without words the wonder and knowledge and joy of God's heart. And so it's no wonder you get folks like Martin Luther who famously said, God writes the gospel not in the Bible alone, though centrally you need that to interpret, but also on the trees and in the flowers and clouds and stars. Or the famous 20th century Scottish preacher George 
McDonald. We could not understand God without these millions of sights and sounds and scents and motions of creation weaving their endless harmonies. They come out of his heart and let us know a little of what is in it. Or even again, quite recently, Pope Francis, the world is a joyful mystery to be contemplated with gladness and praise. It makes you almost want to stand out and and just peek out the front door and remember the joyful truth pouring forth all around us day to day. But then just before we get out the door, the psalmist shifts gears on us and rather abruptly. I mean, listen to the next verses right after talking about creation, 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 then verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. And remember, for law does not just refer to the commandments of God. It refers to the entire revelation of God in all of scripture. Law refers to the entire way of God. As Christians, we believe that Jesus lived and taught the law in a complete manner. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus himself is the law, is the way of God. And so more precisely, we as Christians would say this psalm affirms that the way of Jesus is perfect. The way of Jesus revives the soul. The way of Jesus gives joy to the heart. The way of Jesus gives light to the eyes. The way of Jesus... Is more desirable than gold, sweeter than honey. These are beautiful truths about the law, about God's way. But they're an odd placement. Many have noted over the, 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 the millennia what an abrupt shift in themes Psalm 19 takes. Six verses on God's creation, then five on God's law. Two themes pressed together without comment or transition. And while scholars have debated endlessly over the years about what to make of of this abrupt transition, it seems to me we are best to take it at face value. The psalmist wants us to sit with creation and then move to God's law because in creation we learn something essential about the law. Starting in creation can actually help us trust and understand the way of God we encounter in scripture. And of course what we learn by attending closely to creation is what some of what I think had Leo captive at the beach. We learn about a God of joy and delight. A God of strength and majesty who makes the waves crash on the land. But, but also a God who has so thoroughly thought through every aspect of creation so as to know about every grain of sand. And then in the seashell, we learn of a God who is attentive to color and shape and beauty. We learn through creation of a God who who is near and attentive and also majestic and meek and most certainly joyful. Imagine then learning about God's law, God's way, knowing that is who God is. One would not approach God's law as a fearful thing to be learned or a duty to be kept If creation has started to teach you something about God, then you approach the way of Jesus with anticipation. For you already know 
what delight and goodness and beauty speak through God's inaudible word. How much more those truths spoken through God's audible word, God's audible law. And so even if God's audible way, audible law says things like forgive one another, love your enemies, bless those who persecute you, bless them and do not curse. Or even if God's audible way says things like give your second cloak as well and do not be anxious. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. Live in harmony with one another. Even if Jesus' audible way has difficult words, hard words, challenging words, we can approach those words in that way with trust. Because creation has already taught us that the God who has spoken this way is a God who thinks through the sand grain detail of existence. Surely that God has thought through every last way of what it means to step in the way of God's law. Or look at the sun. Does not creation show me what joy fills God's heart? That even if I step forward in faith and all these uncertainties of what could or could not happen, I know to keep to Jesus is ultimately to walk in the motion of joy. Or this morning on this hike that about a dozen of us took through the alleys of the fan alongside Jim McCullough, who was sort of our fearless guide and leader before worship, number of us were struck time and again by the vibrant greens and whites and pinks and yellows that grew right through brick and stone and walls. And creation inaudibly declared, I am the God whose steadfast faithfulness will not cease. I am the God for whom even a tomb is not impossible. You may notice that I do not have on tie this morning, really very much of a visible collar at all, nor am I wearing my typical dress shoes or dress slacks. I am still wearing what I wore on the Jim McCullough hike through the fan alleys observing creation and the inaudible words. And we did that before worship because Psalm 19, the idea is that Psalm 19 is that we might most more faithfully and joyfully and courageously consider how Jesus is calling us to live and act if we first start in creation and remember who God is in all of God's majesty and meekness, splendor and joy and provision. Wearing these clothes under under the Geneva robe may seem odd, may even seem just strange, but the truth is, Psalm 19 puts the, an attentive exploration of creation right next to an astute, faithful understanding of God's law. They are understood to be mutually and necessarily informing creation and law. Psalm 19 wants them together. Perhaps there are some here who this day have been trying to follow God's law, and for some time now, trying to do the right thing, the holy thing, the good thing, the just thing. But if we're honest, we're tired. We know following Jesus is a sacrifice, but it seems like like there is no measure of joy in it. It, it, It's become almost entirely a quiet duty 
Or maybe it's not that, but just following this law is at times, quite frankly, just confusing or difficult or or, or dry. Something about it is not what it used to be. Perhaps, perhaps Psalm 19 is our invitation then today. What if God is inviting you to throw on your hiking pants and go listen again for the inaudible declarations in light of what you know about God in scripture? What if before you do another good thing, you first just remember who God is and let yourself be nourished on that truth? Focus upon the relationship. And if you do throw on the hiking pants today or tomorrow or in the coming days, I do invite you to heed Jim McCullough's very recent advice this morning. Our group... About a dozen got moving through the fan alleys, and I think we were setting a solid pace. I think we thought we probably could get to the museum district or maybe to the edge uh, of, the, of the district and back in time for worship and really get in a nice, a nice hike, a nice walk. And about 100 yards in, Jim, in his wonderfully deliberate way, says, So, adventure hikes are about walking but they're more about stopping and noticing and listening. We approach the law, the way of Jesus, with a different joy and anticipation when we've taken the time to stop doing and moving and simply know him Personally, let creation declare who Jesus is. Let God's creation echo God's word and remind us of the joy and life therein. And perhaps in our slowing and in our attending and receiving of Jesus afresh, we may open ourselves for the first time in who knows how long, wanting every fiber of our being to be filled with that same kind of joy and, and majestic and humble and strong and steadfast spirit that God animates all of creation with. And so in that renewed trust, maybe we would end our journey with the psalmist making our prayer May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, all that I am and all that I do, be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. My rock and my redeemer. Amen.